Amen. All right, we're continuing in our series on the Lord's Prayer. We are becoming a house of prayer. That's what God, that's what Jesus said, that the Father said, that our house shall be called a house of prayer. So we wanted to develop ourselves, all of us as a Christian body, to learn how to pray. And so we went to the Lord's Prayer that he taught, Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, paper Bible, electronic Bible, Matthew chapter 6. Yes. And before we, before we get into the, the message, I had the Lord impressed on me a few things just to share specifically with you. And uh, one of the fun ones is uh, it's Africana's birthday as well today. I know where she is out there. There she is. Africana, happy birthday. We bless you and your family, Serviano, uh, uh, PJ, Peter John, Jenny, the extended family. We're so glad that you're with us. We're so glad your family is with us. And we love you and honor you and happy birthday. Amen. Amen. Uh, Here's a, here's a specific word that the, during worship the Lord wanted me to give, and that is um, tie your shoes. There's someone here that's been tripping over the same thing for a long time. And the Lord says, tie your shoes. Check your shoes. You've been tripping over it, tripping over it. And the Lord says, you don't have to trip over that. Tie your shoes. So just do an inventory. God, are you speaking to me right now? Is there anything that needs to be tied up? Amen. The other celebration point is, as Pastor Kevin said, with the uh, youth and conferences, over $500 has already come in this morning. So we're just getting started. It's going to be a great year. Thank you for investing intentionally in the next generation. Will you get a return on that investment? That's why we do it. That's why we sow seed into people's lives. Amen. Amen. So now the final thing I want to do before we dig into our verse today is I felt uh, last night when we were at at pre-service prayer is that God said, get everybody into alignment before we talk about this assignment. Get into alignment before the assignment happens. How many know that saves a lot of heartache and headache? So here's the alignment that God reminded me of, and it comes as an example of in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist. This was before Jesus began his miracle ministry. Everyone say before. Yeah. So we get in alignment before we start doing all the stuff. This is chapter 3, verse 13 and 17. And so it comes down to 17. And it says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son. This is Father God speaking to Jesus on earth. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was getting himself in alignment before he started his ministry. And how did he get himself in alignment? He came under authority and he let 
the Father love him and lavish him and confirm his identity? Not just who he was, but whose he was. My beloved son. Jesus came out of that water. The dove comes down. The Holy Spirit rests upon him. And then Jesus goes to work. Before we go into all this stuff, we're supposed to get into alignment. And how we get into alignment is coming underneath the Father through Jesus Christ and letting him pour his love out on us. And then we go to work. We start with love. We start with the Father. We start with affection. We start with the A+. Because what happened that day in this scripture passage, his father was saying pretty much this, I love you, Jesus. You're my favorite son. I just wanted to tell the whole world, I love you and you are so special to me. And why don't we write it down in scripture so it's there for eternity? It was public. God wants to publicly show you affection today. Publicly, he wants to pour his love out on you. You know, a lot of people think religion is private. This whole Jesus thing is supposed to be behind your quiet, closed doors. We're not talking about a religious attempt to God. We're talking about a personal relationship with God. And how many know this is not a private relationship? If you tell your wife or your significant other, this is going to just stay private. Let's not tell anybody. Something's off, right? Something's wrong. God wants this a public thing. And how do we get to that place? Same way that the father said to Jesus, I love you, Jesus. You're my son. Today, I wanted to tell each of you right now that the father says to each of you, I love you very much, my son or my daughter. He'd look you right in the eyes. He'd come upon you and stare at you and maybe hold you or hug you and say, I love you so much. You're my favorite. That's where he starts today. That's chapter one. If you read the Bible, the first part of Genesis is way better than when you get into chapter three by the time you get into sin. It starts with affection, intimacy, belonging, Love, communication. That's alignment before assignment. So we belong in his love. You know how we say belong, believe, become? That's not the accident. It's on purpose because first of all, we belong in his love just like they did in the Garden of Eden. And then what we do, the more time we spend in the love of God, we begin to, our faith grows, our trust, and we believe that he is love. And then the coolest thing happens is he propels us out to become an answer and a solution. And we carry love with us into our areas of influence. You see the stages there? Belong, believe, become. And where are you at in those stages? Are you just learning about the love of God? That's great. Are you, are you, are you, is it coming home? Are you starting to use the love of God in your business, in your workplace, in your family? That's where we're going. So, Father, today I pray right now that you would align us. We, come, we choose to come under the Holy Spirit. We come under you, Father, and we just pray right now you would baptize us afresh in your love. We just welcome your love right now, unconditional, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you to pray like that every morning when you get your feet on the ground. Start with your alignment before you hit your assignment. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 says... 
and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In the King James Version, it says evil, but there actually is the article, the, is in there, so it's supposed to be the evil one. And so I'm wondering, what are some of the common temptations that lead us into these painful places? There's common temptations. And I was tempted to think of, like, make a list of sins that we would all recognize. But how many know by the time we actually choose sin, it's a lot farther down the road from the beginning of where that sin started? If you struggle with an addiction or something, the sinful behavior is not because of that addiction. It's something in your heart that's broken and you're using that addiction as a false affection to meet a need or to numb pain. So what today we're going to do is find out why Jesus and the Father are going to come and deliver you from the pain so you don't have to drink. That's just an example. Wouldn't it be nice to be free on the inside so you didn't need that false affection on the outside? That's where we're going today. So here's some common temptations. There's a temptation to forget, number one, who we are. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the what? The children of God. See, I've heard, have you ever heard people say this? Well, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. And that was the most popular saying when I was growing up, because it was to show that you were humble, which now we know is false humility, and it's not biblical. So you're only, you have bad theology, and... Uh, you're confessing something that's not true. What if we said something like this? I am a saint who sometimes sins. That's biblical. That's theologically true if you read the New Testament. So which, who do you think would, would say this over you? You're a sinner. You think the Father would? You think Jesus came to talk like that to you? So why do we repeat that garbage? Who do you think is saying that over you? His name is Satan, the evil one. Now the father, I could see him saying, oh, my beloved son, you sit with me, hidden in Christ Jesus. You are seated in heavenly places. Do you think he's going to let sinners in heavenly places? No. He covers us with his righteousness. He, he invites us there by faith, by grace. So sin is what we do when we forget who we are. Sin is what we do when we forget who we are. Because as a child of God, you don't need that sin stuff anymore. You have all provision. You have everything you need. But when you forget who you are, you begin dabbling in other things to meet your needs. Number two, temptation is to speak death when you were created to speak life. There's a temptation for us to speak death when you were created to speak life. James chapter 3, verse 10 and 12 says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both water and Salt water and fresh water. See, we get confused on who we are, so we start speaking the wrong way. 
when we were created to speak life. If you want to learn how to speak life, read the book of Proverbs and it'll tell you how to speak over your city, over your family. Words of righteousness. You know, our city is a reflection of the condition of the church. When we live out the gospel and show the love of God and speak the love of God over our city, it reflects to the city. So whose responsibility is it to fix the city? Are we going to put it on somebody else? Well, if the schools got in order, well, if the city council did this, well, if the social programs were stronger. I'm pretty sure that God's looking to you and me to be the answer. Amen? So the temptation is to speak death when you were created to speak life. So I encourage you to, when you catch yourself, when you catch yourself speaking and all of a sudden you're, you just go like this, just put your hand over your mouth and say, uh-oh, stop. And in our family, what we do is we just say things like, oh, just remember life talk. We just say, oh, just remember we're working on life talk. You don't have to beat someone down. But we just say, just remember we're working on life talk. Out of your mouth should only flow things that bring grace to its hearer that edify, that build people up, that encourage them. That's what should come out of your mouth as a Jesus follower. Temptation is trying to pay, this is the third thing, temptation is trying to pay a debt that's already paid for. Temptation is trying to make a sacrifice to gain something that you already have. Ah, if I just worked a little bit harder then God would like me and love me. Maybe if I'm just perfect with my money, then finally, God, the glory train's coming in, the the finances are coming in, the truck with the gold's coming in, and I'll be set for life. If I could just get it all in order. We have all these lusts of our flesh. We long for all these things. The temptation is to forget that it's already been paid for. And now we live according to, to the riches of Christ Jesus. So you stop yourself. When you start penny pinching, when you start thinking, oh no, there's not enough, you're not in the right kingdom. Is there enough in the kingdom of God? See how we're trapped in the wrong thinking. We're tempted to think, no, there's a limit. There's only eight slices of pizza, and if they get eaten, they're gone. And daddy God is saying, my son, my son, my son. Not only do I own the pizza factory, but the hills, the, the bread, the dough, the, the, I, I, he owns all of it. So next time you get into that mode, you, that's a temptation to go down that. Ah, just ah, Sorry, God, just not enough. Get into the kingdom mindset. We say, Father, I thank you for providing everything I need. And I thank you. I'm delighting myself in you. And you're going to give me the desires of my heart. See the difference? One is life and one is never enough. How would you like to live when there's more than enough? I heard of some yas out there. Wouldn't that be fun? And then you're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. What are you talking about? Well, I said, we'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Why do you think God blessed you? It's for your house and for the house next to you and the house next to you. 
God is doing that in this church. You can expect your finances to change, not just for your private and personal blessing, but you are to be an answer to your neighbor and to this city and to your family. So guess who's going to come knocking? Probably a lot of people. They're coming to you for solutions and answers. And the Holy Spirit will give it to you, both financially, practically, and wisdom. Because that's who we are. Let's not forget who we are. Fourth temptation is to believe that we're stuck in our attitudes, our behaviors, and our beliefs. And this is the picture God gave me, is that some of you believe right now that your life is cemented forever where it is. It's like I got a picture of all your shoes and feet and this cement came in and poured right around it. And you're just saying, well, that's just my lot in life. I'm forever stuck where I am right now. That's a temptation to believe that. And you're thinking there's no way out. This is just my family. This is my background. Uh, This is my history. This is my finances. This is my job. This is my parents. These are my children. And it's just the cement starts pouring in. And it's settling and it's tough. And you go, well, that's okay. I'm just, I don't want to complain. I'm just going to tough it out. I'm just going to try my hardest. I'll do my best. And we're stuck. I didn't ever see Jesus stuck in the New Testament. Do you guys see him stuck? People came to him with the craziest problems and he just said, hmm, go get a fish. Or you, come here. Or we're going to his house for dinner. Or hey, come down from that tree. Or he'd just walk away and say, oh, i got to go talk to my father first. He'd go away and pray and get wisdom. We are not stuck in the kingdom. The temptation is to believe you're stuck. Well, I want to say to you, church, and anyone watching online, you are not stuck. I declare over your life in the name of Jesus Christ that you are not stuck. You don't need to be stuck in the future. Uh, right now, you're free in Jesus' name. Now you just got to get up and walk. The confession of faith is this. I am not stuck because my father has and is and will deliver me. Right, Connie? My father has and will and is delivering me. My father. And you know how fathers can be heroes. I know my dad is my hero. We all need dads. And some of you didn't have good dads, so then the father says, I'll be the dad. And then he sends the other fathers to father you. But dads are supposed to be heroes. And so we look up to the heavens and we say, Dad, I'm not stuck. You're sending a deliverer. (laughs) And one of my friends here at the church, we were praying together, and he said, my daughter's in trouble. She has this financial issue and this with her rental and this and that. We started praying, and then God told me he had a man to send. And God always has his man. I said, I don't know what's happening, but God has a man that's going to help your daughter. God always has a man or a woman that he can send to solve a problem. And so we said, okay, we believe. God has, God has, a, God has his man for this situation. We prayed. We were wiping our faces because the tears and the presence of God came down in the room. We get a phone call three or four days later, and, and the guy said, guess what, Pastor Mark? I said, what? I said, he said, God sent his man. I said, already? I said, it's only Tuesday. This was Friday that we prayed. He said, literally, my daughter was standing at her rental, and she was asking the renter to leave 
but he wouldn't. And this gentleman showed up and came in and stood there. Really nice, big ex-military guy, I think is the story. And anyways, the important part is the daughter said, I need you to leave, sir. The month is done. We're selling the house. I need you to leave. And so the guy came out to talk to her. In the meantime, the big guy walked in behind and stood in the door frame of the rental like this. And so the, the daughter and the, and the renter ch- chatting and all of a sudden he said, no, I'm, you can't make me leave. I, I, I'm staying. He turned around. And what did he see when he turned around? That man. He said, you're not coming back in here. You just left. It's the end of the month. You're no longer allowed on this property. And the guy goes, oh, okay. And he, he quickly left. And then this gentleman, whoever this friend of the family was, she never even met him. Said, by the way, do you need any work done around here? She goes, actually, I need the doors hung, this fixed, this fixed. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to the hardware store. He went and started getting all the stuff. He goes, oh, I can take care of that. He fixed everything. He hung the, rehung the doors, fixed the rental up. Wouldn't allow her to give him any money. And then he left. And then she moved. God always has his man. The temptation is for you to solve your own problems. The temptation is to think you have to pay for it. The temptation is, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just work it out. I'll struggle through it. But wouldn't it be smarter to say, God, is this one of those situations where you want to do something special and send someone to help me? Why don't I be patient for two weeks and just pray it through and see what happens? Why don't I be patient for a month or two and see what happens? Why don't I be patient for a couple years and see what happens? You see where I'm going with this? When you give room to God, the impossible becomes possible. (coughs) So we're not stuck. Can everyone say that with me? I'm not stuck. stuck. You got to say that to yourself. I am not stuck. My children are not stuck. My finances are not stuck. This broken down car is not stuck. God has an answer. Because here's the temptation. Here's the common temptation. It's to harden our hearts. When things go bad, when evil comes into your house, I meet a lot of people, you know, they say, well, you know, God was good. Why did he allow this evil? Why did he allow this war with Russia and Ukraine? Why did all these people die? Why did this person get cancer? Why did, you know, the the big why questions in their hearts about as hard as a rock. Because this is what they've done. In their time of need, when evil came to their door, instead of saying, Father, deliver me, like which the Bible says right here, deliver us from the evil one. Instead, what did they say? Instead of opening their heart and their mind to God, they went like this. And they turn their back on God. They turn the back on the very one that is there to rescue them. They say, no, thank you. I'm going to stay in my anger and bitterness instead. They turn their back on God. And the Bible says your heart starts getting harder. Your feelings decrease. You're not really open to love. You're not open to forgiveness. You're not open to the miracle because you're just angry and hurt and broken down. That's what evil looks like. But Jesus Christ, 
he himself, it says in Hebrews 3.18, was, uh, he himself suffered being tempted in the exact same thing. So he is able to aid those who are tempted. So Jesus went through what you have already gone through or will gone through. But he, like a wise son, turned to the Father and not to his own flesh. So that's what I want to encourage you with today. When, 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 it, when evil comes knocking at your door, and how many know evil comes? Is anyone immune to this? No. When the evil one comes, and this is what the prayer said. It says this, but deliver us from the evil one. So it's kind of a prayer like this. God, Father, I know that sometimes, I know that you will never send evil. I know that the Bible says you will not tempt me, but sometimes it comes. Sometimes you allow it, or sometimes the enemy just kicks in my front door. But when it comes, the next verse is the power verse. Father, deliver us from the evil one. So who is going to do the delivering? Father. Are you to deliver yourself? The Father wants to deliver you. Come on, is that good news? The Father wants to deliver you? So to be clear, God will never lead you into temptation. He can't tempt you with sin. He will never sin. And we are not to blame God for sin or for evil times. That's a horrible trap to fall down to, and it just leads to more darkness. If that's your attitude, I encourage you to repent and say, forgive me, God. I will no longer hold you accountable for evil. I blame the evil one. Or people who are influenced by the evil one. But you, God, are good all the time. And so, Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name to deliver me. And deliver, it's really cool, means to rescue. So I started studying that, that word. To be rescued. And the cool thing is, it's based on like a water term of current or to be drawn out. So think of it like this. When the rescuer comes, when the father comes in, it's like stepping out of the mud and the muck and the junk and, the, and pressure, and toiling, and anguish, and fear, and hate, and no hope. It's stepping out of that stuff and getting into a bright, clean, bubbling brook that when you step in, whoa, it just pulls you. It, it Literally, there's a draft coming. There's a water rushing through, and you get in the current, and it just floats you right out of trouble. Like the power of God, it's a stream. And of course, we, when we think of water and we think of streams, we think of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit just comes and washes you right down out of that situation, washes you out of trouble, pulls you right out. It's a rescuer. It's someone that grabs you. And it's a river of life. And it'll take you places. It'll take you into the glory of God. That's the rescue that's coming for your life. That's the rescue that we can all have. It's a washing and a renewal and a watering for your soul. It's a river. And I didn't know this before, but the word evil one, it's not like we're using the word for Satan here. It's really, when you keep going back down, it means pain. And then that word pain was based off the word poor. So we're not to grovel in our, in our, in our false humility of, of like glorifying poverty. 
I don't know about you, but I've seen it glorified in churches sometimes. But here's the deal. God never created you for poverty. He can create you for humility in your spirit. But poverty is not a kingdom principle. Pain and evil and darkness is associated with poverty. So get the poverty out of your backpack, off your mind, and think, that's not for me or my house. And this is true. The kingdom of God, there's promises about heaven. And in heaven does it say, my children enter the gates and enter into pain and poverty, where we'll cry together and weep for all the poor decisions we made on earth. Is that what the Bible says about heaven? No. Does it not say the opposite? He'll wipe away every tear. There will be no pain. Same word as evil. It's gone. So this prayer is about bringing heaven to earth. So we're going to heaven, but on the way, we're trying to see the kingdom come down as much as possible before we go. And to do that, you need a rescuer. To do that, we got to change the way we think. We got to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. We got to enjoy the word of God every day. Get in the word, pray it through, think it through, and let evil be washed away. If Mike can come back up to the uh, the stage with me, we're going to close in prayer. This is what I'm thinking. I want to just use a picture in our last few minutes of Jesus. Because I said before, Jesus was tempted too, wasn't he? In all ways. And here's, here's what happened. And we're getting close to the Easter story. Matthew chapter 26. And throughout the weekend, we're going to dive back into this on Easter Friday and Easter Sunday. It says that Jesus was about to be crucified. <laughs> and he said, I've got to pray. He finished his last supper and he went out to the garden. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 40. It says, Then he came to his disciples, and he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, Yet your will be done, not mine. So we see Jesus in a situation of temptation. He, the evil one is testing him, saying, the evil one saying, you don't have to do this. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be an easier way than this. But he goes to the father. And he says, father, what's your will? And the father tells him the will. How did he get through it? The Bible says he prayed. This is a passage on prayer. So how are you going to get delivered? You're going to pray. You're going to talk to the Father. You're going to ask Him. And when you ask, when you say Father, it's so funny in the Greek, it's a command. Now, it's not like we're bossing God around. But in other words, this is not some wimpy little half-hearted question. Well, God, if you have time, could you maybe come around and rescue me? This is the desperation. Father, I need you to show up big time. I need a rescue about right now and on the 30th when the bills come or whatever you're going through. You can call on the name of the Lord in authority because he's your dad and he knows your name. And you can call on your dad and he can say, yes, 
I was waiting for you to ask. There was one time when I was in university and, and uh, rent was getting close to the end of the month and I had to pay rent and I didn't have any money. Have you ever been in that situation? The end of the month was coming and you're like, oh boy. And uh, it wasn't a lot of money, but I didn't have it. So about two days before the end of the month, I called my parents sheepishly. Um, uh, can I, uh, do you guys have any, uh, you know, I find, they're like, Mark, do you need money for rent? I said, uh, yes. Well, uh, we will transfer the money. I was living out in BC at the time. We'll transfer the money to help you this month. But if you're in trouble, could you like not wait, you know, until like the day before the rent's due? You know, could you talk to us? And it was like fear and shame and all these kind of things that block you from talking to God. But we're not supposed to wait, are we? Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to get deliverance. And I, I believe that you're being delivered today. The Bible says you were delivered when Jesus died for you and rose for you. The Bible says that you are being delivered. And the Bible says you will be delivered. All three. But today, as I see you in your seats and online, I believe today is your day for deliverance. When you step into that river of water and the washing of the Holy Spirit takes you to freedom. What area in your life do you want deliverance, meaning freedom from? Holy Spirit knows it and you know it. I don't need to know it. It's not my business. It's business with God. So today when we close, I want to give an opportunity for you. What we're going to do is we're going to close in just a few minutes. But if you just want to spend time with God, the Father, delivering you, these altars will be open. You can even, if you want to get your children and come back, you can do that. But this is a place to say, God, thank you. I need you to deliver me right now. And just ask him and prepare the Father to come to you. Amen. So can you, everyone stand up? Last Sunday, um, I was just asking the Lord, there's some circumstances in my life that are heading into kind of a stormy water situation. And I know it's coming. And I was asking God for help. I was just crying out to him and saying, you know, I just, I need your help. I need your help to tread water, to keep my head above water. Father, help me not to, to sink in what's coming. And in that moment, I felt the Lord say, um, he actually said, sweetheart. He said, sweetheart, um, you don't need my strength to tread water because you're in the boat with me. And that was transformational for me that he rescued me, that he is my rescuer. So the temptation is to look to my own self to keep my head above water when the stormy situations come in life. But instead, when I capture the goodness of God and I capture the love of the Father, He says, you don't need to, you don't need to tread water. You don't need to work harder or more because I have everything you need. I am your rescuer. So come in the boat with me. Lay your head against me. Take a great big deep breath. Hear my heartbeat. That's the intimacy that the Father wants. I'm nothing special. I'm just, just like all of you. I just want to love the Lord and I want to be loved by Him. I want to remember who I am and whose I am. And so I, I challenge you that the altars are open. The invitation is there 
Do you have stormy waters in your life that you are currently in or you're facing or you felt like, man, you've just been treading water and trying so hard to keep yourself afloat? He doesn't want you to do that. That's not his plan for you. His plan is to reach down and pick you up and sit in the boat with him. It doesn't mean the storms aren't going to be there. You're still going to ride the turbulence of that, but the total difference is now you're doing it with the Father. So I encourage you to come. I encourage you to take a hold of his promises for you because they are yes and amen to those that believe. Amen. So Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that you are our deliverer. And now in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray a blessing over everyone here and online. And God, I pray, uh, I, I just speak the, the word of deliverance and rescue and freedom over the hearts and minds of every person participating. And God, that they would have a liberty to come and spend time with you this morning and work it out with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. The altars are open. And if we don't see you there, we'll see you Friday at 1030 for Good Friday. Thank you. God bless you.